You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, welcome to Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code, episode 114. I'm with Sophie Tin, award-winning people management expert and author of the upcoming book, The Soul of Startups, The Untold Stories of How Funders Affect Culture. From being featured on the Women in Fintech Power List since 2017 and the first HR professional to win the standout spot, she's also widely recognized in Europe for innovative influence on how human resources works in technology, companies and startups. She now works with companies around the world as an advisor and lives with her family in London. Hello, Sophie. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me today. Well, I'm very happy that you're here. We're going to talk about very interesting stuff, I think, because you and I kind of do both of the same. So it will be very interesting to compare, you know, our, for sure. and share our knowledge and compare our, compare our ideas. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Good. So before we start, just tell us a little bit about, about your journey. Sure, sure. Um, I'm a recent author, as you have mm-hmm. already just mentioned. Um, I'm also a startup advisor in the people and culture space as well. Um, I work as a HR leader for the last eight years, working on building great people-centric foundations for early stage businesses so that they can kind of go on and create incredible workspaces after that. Right. And how did you come to that? What happened yeah, before? so <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mean you mean decades ago um, when I first started off um, working in this people people space, I actually started looking at um, talent optimization first. I worked mm. a good couple of years with IBM in the corporate world, and for me, I kind of found that really frustrating at the starting point because it took us a long time to kind of move a small part of the needle only. Then by sheer chance, I stumbled upon this word called fintech. I was in London happening Mm. at the same time. And I got into my first startup gig um, in Revolut, which is a which is a really big fintech right now. And from there, you know, I just never really turned back. I felt like, you know, working close with founders, leadership to build great people, workspaces, companies and culture became more and more important throughout the years. And this is where I am. And I guess this is what you are, you talk about in, in your book, right? So the book is called, yeah. again, The Soul of Startups, The Untold Stories of How Funders Affect Culture. So what are those untold stories about? <laughs> um, well, the untold stories are mainly from the perspective of startup operators living mm. and breathing those up and downs in these companies, myself included. And that's how I started with the book. In the book, I in, ended up putting together a collation of 10 types of founder behaviors that distinctively makes them different from one another, but also highlighting their success and failures when it comes to building these cultures. Right. So, but what is it, why is it important to talk about it? 
Um, when I first, like I mentioned earlier, when I first started writing it, it was kind of therapy for myself. Um, right. This was five years down the road after I've had my first taste of working in a very, very fast paced startup environment for the first time in my life. So it was therapeutic for myself because they were untold stories of mine. Um, but as I kept writing, what was really interesting was that I was interviewing people with similar experiences and more and more people are connecting me to those people who I actually didn't know were in my vicinity. And I realized altogether there is a number of operators that experience very similar experiences. And that is not just limited to the HR professionals. Mm -hmm. And so the book really is about, you know, not having a dig at the founders, but really meant to be a validation to all of us operating in this space that it is equally rewarding, but can also be incredibly challenging at the same time. So, you know, if you find a way and you know how to learn from these stories to navigate around those circumstances, the more awareness we can create with this book, the better informed people are before going into the space. So that's the whole point of, you know, producing the book um, and putting it out there. Right. So the better informed people are before going into that space. So are you are you telling them? Hold on, being an entrepreneur or startup funder, it's tough. There are rules to res to respect. It's not for everybody. For sure, for sure. But mm. I think it's also important, you know, when I was putting the stories together, these were about the operators that were currently living in those um in those um, experiences as well. So, you know, we it's it's almost like you may find yourself being quite stuck in a challenging environment that you don't know how quite to navigate or understand or even comprehend it to begin with. And hopefully with some of these collation of stories, you'll be able to kind of feel that, oh, you know, hold on a minute. There's a community out there that feels the same as I do. Maybe I should reach out and ask for help or um, it's totally okay. I'm not on this on my own. So hopefully that would give people some hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel, whichever <laughs> decision you choose. <laughs> Yeah, I totally, I totally relate to that. <laughs> there are days like I feel myself. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> why, why again? Why did I start that that journey again? <laughs> That's a question we always ask ourselves. <laughs> you, you, do you ask this question to yourself? For sure, sometimes. For yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. When when things are challenging, but then this is this is also exactly what I said earlier. It is equally challenging, but it's also very rewarding when you get mm -hmm. out of this tunnel. So I think it's really important for us to kind of learn the magic of balancing these two acts. And when you kind of crack it, you will hopefully find more joy than torment. What are you? What is your secret sauce to crack it? For well, I think I think I still have quite a bit of journey to go. Um, I'm I'm getting a lot better now that I'm getting more unfazed. Also, the fact that I am a you know, I'm I'm a consultant now, which means I kind of get the joy of picking great work that I want to be really passionate about. So mm. that definitely helps. But I know not everybody is in the same situation. Um, but yeah, you know, whoever that actually has the magic um to crack this open already, I would love to hear from them. <laughs> <laughs> So you so you've interviewed a lot of a lot of funders, obviously. So what are the common patterns you see among among them? Yeah. Talking about so, behaviors, I think. Be, yeah, behaviors. So as any entrepreneurs, you know, they're they're usually bold risk takers, um, you know, very commercially savvy. This is why they started a business. They want to solve bigger problems in the world. But one thing I have found is they're not very often uh high have high EQ or excellent mm. communicators, which, you know, 
if you really think about it in a smaller scale, this is exactly how we would prefer our managers to be anyway. So being a founder is like is really no different from being a good manager, mm. except that they now also have to carry a lot of weight on their shoulders. For example, basically carrying all the departments, the functions, you know, reporting back to the board. They have stakeholders that they need to worry about. So it's a huge part of their role already. And I mm. think being able to to have a skill in in um in communication and have high eq on top of all of these things is really the difference that makes an excellent founder to its some um, opposite yeah eq is uh for those who don't know it's emotional emotional intelligence why why is it so important because i think if you can show compassion and not often rely to just empathy and sympathy which is most of the times why human makes um you know high highly emotional driven decisions that are not obviously objective most of the times is going to make you a better leader it's exactly the same things that you know you would often see in manager training but we mm. we don't really take into consideration that um an entrepreneur or a founder is is basically just a manager yeah by default is a leader yeah for sure <laughs> plus you forgot to, you forgot to mention something often they also use their own money <laughs> that's true that's true that adds on to the pressure <laughs> and 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 to continue with with your with your book and the title in your book you mentioned you have the word uh, culture so what 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 is it that you want to say but what is a business culture and why why is it so important again culture is really important um i know it's a word that people throw around yeah. but from for me from my experience culture is really what makes the company unique to itself and so i would pretty much say it it is the dna of the logo that you see it's made up of the behaviors of the people founder mm. included so if you think about it it's almost like it's their go to method when they're reacting to a certain business problem the way they serve their employees the way they serve their customers the way they put the product out there for the world it's the touch and feel when you get when you walk into a company regardless mm. it's virtual or physical so it is important because let's put it this way if the dna of a company isn't exactly aligned to what the product is really about or the purpose of why this company exists then it will continue to stay dishonest in their cause and who they serve and what good is that to anyone at all so great cultures great businesses that have great cultures usually really is very honest to what they believe in and it becomes their core principle in everything that they do and that makes up the behavior of the people within the company itself and that requires high eq uh one one of those elements yes i mean if you look at the pyramid and if it starts from you know the book is really talking about how the behaviors of the founders can actually affect the culture of the businesses that they're building and so you know it's off, it's almost saying that you know when you're running a team as a, even as a manager you may have some subset of skills that you have not harnessed in life before or it's maybe just not something that you have learned throughout your journey and never mm. really gotten the chance to and so instead of penalizing the downfalls of this particular leader or manager then maybe let's focus on how can we fulfill the team or the company for these gaps so maybe hire you know one of one of the chapters that I really emphasize on is 
there are great leaders out there who are very, very self-aware of where the lack-offs are. And so therefore they built incredible leadership teams to help them run incredible businesses. And I, I believe, you know, having EQ is also a way of translating it into this intentional reflection where you truly understand where your lack-offs are. And so therefore you seek help to bridge those gaps. Mention the world like culture, a little bit, a little bit everywhere. But how do you know when you've built a great culture? Oh, uh, you, you, you know, you know when you, you know when, for example, you would know a culture is not exactly the way you have envisioned it to be when, when you start building your business is when the environment starts to change and it starts to become really uncomfortable for everybody, including yourself. Even if mm. you're the founder, you're the person who started this business. And when, when the business is starting to face people challenges as well, and they're not circumstances that are impacted by say the you know economy crisis or rather external challenges, we would call this. I'll give you uh, an example. Yep say you have a product that isn't released on time not because of the delays that were caused by maybe the outsource team or the licensing or whatever that is external but it's simply because the internal team couldn't get aligned on what exactly needs to be done so this is a people problem mm -hmm. and when you see an issue like this we would then think that the solution here is to make a change in the culture and in a lot of ways we're calling this creating a better performing culture. So that's an example of why, you know, culture has a lot of subset. We talk about better performing culture. We talk about honest and transparency culture. We talk about, you know, a well-being culture. We talk about people-centric cultures. There's many ways of kind of like skinning the cat. But when there is a problem that is directly related and you know the root cause comes from people problems, then you will have a culture problem. And this ties back into what you were saying earlier about communication, which is one of the great skills that funders should develop. Because Absolutely. you're not in your people's heads <laughs> and they're not in your head. So it's Correct. very important that you communicate the culture or whatever it is that you want to achieve to your people, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And staying very honest and true to yourself on this course, and you'll be able to attract the right people to come and build this great businesses for you. Then I have a question. We often talk about vulnerability. And you know, there is this tendency that as a business owner, I can't be vulnerable. I can't show to others that I am vulnerable. What's your stake mm. on it? Is it true that you cannot show vulnerability? And at what point do you draw the line that um, vulnerability is actually a detriment to the business? So, mm. for example, I've worked with some incredible founders. Um, they are not necessarily vulnerable, which is not the word that I would describe um, them, but they definitely show a lot of empathy and compassion which technically means they're able to be in your shoes to understand how this impacts the other people in the company and therefore then make objective decisions beyond that. So in a lot of ways, if we're having a one-to-one, -one, say I'm having that conversation with my CEO founder, I will feel that they're quite vulnerable because they're willing to tell me what is bothering them, right. how it affects their feeling. Um, but on the other hand, when they when they implement those solutions and communicate to the teams or the company that say, for example, you know, the, we are struggling with some um, business leads with the with the sales team. And for them, instead of showing vulnerability, 
I would I would I would stand in front of this CEO or founder where they would they would basically say to the sales team that we need to do better because for X Y Z reasons. So they they basically translate what they're feeling, the compassion mm. that they have towards a business objective. So at what point do we draw the line and say vulnerability altogether is a detriment to the business is something I cannot answer, but I have definitely seen and worked with founders and CEOs who can show some level of vulnerability that has been able to actually bring more people on the journey with them. As I said, you know, a startup is an incredibly challenging place and you've mm -hmm. got to be able to enjoy the work that you're doing. And if you don't really understand what the founder is trying to achieve, then it makes it really hard for you to be part of this journey, fighting the same battle together. Yeah, yeah. Well, then what about when, you know, not all days are rosy? So as a founder, sure. like you said, you have a lot of pressure. But how open how can you be about that with your team member and telling them, look, I'm not having a great day today. Uh, so, you know, please excuse me. Or, you know, what, whatever it is that they should be saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love this question. I feel like this shouldn't be a question that we, we need to encourage um, uh, ourselves to be asking. Does... In, in what ways does, does an entrepreneur um, becomes inhuman? They're equally as human as every single operator in the company. It doesn't matter if you're you know, in the C-level, um, you are in whatever teams that you're in, you're still human. And I think one of the things that we don't talk enough about, which is one of the things that really affects entrepreneurs' um, life and you know, their ability to actually connect with a community that can help them it's the sheer fact that we are creating this taboo against ourselves that we're not allowed to show that we also have emotions or mm. we're not allowed to show that we're also human and some days are more difficult than the other. And I think this is exactly where, you know, the needle needs to, you know, to move and we need to stop, you know, we need to change this conversation. I'm in a position where I have hard days myself, but not because I used to be a HR person and therefore it makes it more easy for me to actually say to my team that, look, I'm having a really tough day. I'm just going to go for a walk. See you in 40 minutes. Mm. Okay. Thank you. What makes you stick in this, in what you do today? You know, why do you wake up in the morning and do what you do? Uh, I wake up in the morning knowing that I have a long list of things to tackle <laughs> um, <laughs> as everyone else. Um, but I do, I do spend a lot of time um, learning more about myself. I think, I think, I think coming into this space, being a consultant and working with different businesses at the same time has really kind of expedited my self-learning and my self-awareness. So, you know, Every other day, I will reach out to my coach just so that I can get some balance in my mindset because I think that's really important, being a leader as well. Um, and then most of the other times, I connect with my community either to share, to influence, to you know um, push the boundaries or just to go beyond the path that I've set for myself. That makes mm. it really rewarding. And then most of the other days, it's just serving my customers and my team. Right. So you were talking about, you know, uh, how you learn and you, your, you, what, what, what you learn about yourself. So hence my question, what did you discover about yourself since you, 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 you uh, started your entrepreneurship journey? 
For me, it's been incredibly profounding that um, my self-awareness has taught me that I am someone who needed um, who needed to be honest about when I need to ask for help. And mm. throughout this learning journey, which has been obviously expedited in such a fast pace, is that it has made me more, it's made, it's made it more simple in my day-to-day to ask for help. But at the same time, it's also been really rewarding because I never noticed that there is such a great community out there that are so supportive. I used to think that I need to do this all on my own. I need to, I used to think that I'm fully responsible for the company as well as my team. Therefore, I should have the answers all to myself. And little did I know that throughout this journey, there there are a lot of people who are either in the same boat or have done this 10 times more than I have. And so Mm -hmm. therefore... You know, I reach out to the wise and I've learned to really rely on a community that I at first didn't think existed. Mm. Is it something you talk about in your book, Asking for Help? For sure. Right. There is a, yeah, there's a last chapter that really, really kind of elevates the importance of giving back the validation to founders and entrepreneurs that they, this is a very hard job to do and they yeah. should you know, equally be given the space to express themselves and to just be as human as as all of us. Whereas most of the time we think that, you know, the 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 general needs to eat less because the mm. soldiers are the one fighting in the front. Is that why is it so difficult to ask for help? I think I think yes. I think I think definitely yes. When you have a lot of people, at least throughout my personal perspective and experience, is when you have a lot of people coming to you asking for solutions or answers to their questions, you either one don't have enough time in the day to go and seek out for the help or number two, most of the time you're put on the spot to immediately have the answer to those questions if you want to show credibility. And I think this is a real struggle when it comes to being a leader as well as being a sole entrepreneur, for example, at the very Mm. least most people start with not, not knowing not knowing whether or not your answer is actually correct or wrong, but having to come up with an answer anyway, I think is incredibly intimidating for any entrepreneur that wants to start off the journey with some really good foundation. And you mentioned you you have a coach. And so that is one one of the ways to ask for help. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm a coach myself. For sure. <laughs> Why is it important for you to have a coach? Let's 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 promote coaching a little Yes, bit. yes. So I'm a coach myself, and I believe that every every coach needs a coach as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's always a second perspective that you let your biases kind of shield over if you don't have a coach. It's almost like when I have a bad day, maybe talking to my best friend who has probably known me for the last 30 years would not necessarily help because the bias is there. They're there to help me make me feel better. Whereas my coach is someone who tells me, well, it's okay, Sophie, you're feeling bad about yourself. So is everyone else. You're just having one of those days. What can you do about it? And I think having a coach to ask you that outright question that you should have been asking yourself anyway is a great reminder that everybody needs help along the way. Yeah, I had had a bad day yesterday. I'm not fully out of it, (laughs) I have to say. So I don't have a coach at the moment because I stopped. I had I used to have a coach, but I I stopped Mm. that that uh, coaching arrangement for the moment. But I reach out to people. I reach out to uh, actually former um, podcast guests just Mm. to talk, you know, and and yeah, it definitely helped me uh, look at 
my problem from a different perspective. You know, they gave me like, I reached out to two people, they gave me like two two different solutions immediately. And they gave me, you know, they, 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 they were giving me like words of encouragement. So that also refilled mm-hmm. my motivation bucket. So today is a better day. <laughs> exactly. But I know it's going to take time for me to go to go through it. It's it's still there in my it's still there in my mind. But I can only I can only uh, adjust and you know uh, control how I react to it. And that's one yeah. that's that's one thing also that I, that I find with a lot of entrepreneurs is that there's so much pressure all the time. You have to wear so many hats that you forget that i mean that you that you know it's a it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions con- constantly some days are really good some days are really bad sometimes sometimes it can go from very good to very bad in the same in the same hour for sure <laughs> <laughs> so how do you so you mentioned emotional intelligence before is it is it how you can get through those states also developing your emotional intelligence For sure. One of the things I earlier mentioned is intentional reflection. Mm. And it's not something that a lot of people do unless, you know, you're being coached to do so because it's not natural for you to do reflection um, upon something that that actually has caused pain and was challenging for you throughout the day. So it's almost like, yeah, you know what? That day has already passed. Maybe let me just bang that away and never touch it again. But in fact, you're intentionally reflecting on the pain that has been caused on you. And I think this is this is exact this is part of building or having, you know, high EQ, but also the self-awareness does come from intentional reflection. Just like earlier, you have mentioned, you know, that you recognize that you've had a bad day. And so therefore you're going out to reach out to people. But at the same time, you come back and you go, well, the next day is going to be better, but I'm still kind of in it. And that is incredible intentional um, reflection. The fact Mm. that you are incredibly self-aware of your own coping mechanism also really helps. So whenever I think, you know, it's not obviously limited um, and exclusive to founders, but I do think that this is one of those conversations that doesn't happen very often, especially to a person that is in this particular role. We need to treat them exactly the same way as how we would treat any other people who would say, hey, I'm just having a bad day. Is there any help that I can get? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think, and I think funders need need to hear that because, Guys, you're not superheroes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's you're not, true. You're not robots. Because that's that's what we see. Like the perception that we have about those, most of the funders that they're superheroes, they're robots. The media only shows, you know, the, the entrepreneurs who have succeeded. Like, you know, it's not challenging along the way. <laughs> For sure. As if the job is not difficult enough already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And give me a one entrepreneur who has not, you know, had any challenges <laughs> in entrepreneurial. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur today? Um, freedom. Yeah. First thing that actually pops up in my mind is um freedom because I I'm now in a space where I get to choose the work that really rewards me Mm. to work with the people that really enhances my life experiences. And I think that is very, very important to me. But on the other hand, um, it also makes me feel that I am a lot more accountable and responsible as a human being um, for a particular purpose, because as a leader, I am now responsible for my clients. 
the work I put out there, like I said, you know, any influence that you by chance create along the way, along mm. the journey, as well as obviously the responsible to, uh, responsibility towards my team. So I think there's definitely a lot of joy being an entrepreneur, given the freedom, but at the same time, it has expedited my self-learning a lot, which is what I truly, truly enjoy um, yeah. out of everything else. Yeah, you were pretty clear about that earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a coach and coaching is about asking questions a lot of them. What's your favorite question? My favorite question is, um, how does that make you feel? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> instead of asking, yeah, instead of asking the lazy, lazy question of what can I do to help? I love asking, how does that make you feel in my coaching sessions? Because mm -hmm. part of my coaching methodology is to get you to make those decisions yourself so that we can make you more empowered to move on to the next day. One day at a time journey, not one month at a time or one year at a time or one problem at a time, but putting empowerment back into the driver's seat of that particular person or the individual sitting in front of me is my go-to. Right. And then do you end up with a question like, what are you waiting for? Oh, yeah, for sure, <laughs> always. <laughs> or or more commonly, do you have the answer for me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the thing about coaching that I, that I love is that people always have the answers in them. Sometimes they just need help, like we mentioned Correct. about, to find them because it's difficult to find them by yourself. So you need guidance along, along the way. And that is absolutely fine. One more question for you. You take all the experience that you have acquired over those years. What is the one practical recommendation you would give to any entrepreneur out there? Ah, it's like a it's like a singing tra track for me. The practical recommendation is ask for help. <laughs> a little help goes a long way. Reach out to your community. You're not on your own. Many, many other people that countless of people yeah. are out there in the same boat, same environment, probably thinking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're not exclusive to your own experience. And whenever you can get out of your shell, reach out to the community and start building your own network. You just never know. I am, mm -hmm. you know, there are days you asked me earlier, what am I excited about when I wake up in the morning is, you know, feeling connected, feeling belong to a community and a network that I actually belong to. And I think that's a great feeling to have, especially in today's circumstances. Yeah. Despite how you may feel, entrepreneurs, you are not alone. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last question. How can people contact you? Um, I am easily reachable on LinkedIn. You can also reach me on my website, which is just sophieteen.com. And I'm also on Twitter um, at just sophieteen. Right. Well, Sophie, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And I remind uh, you about the title of a book, The Soul of Startups, The Untold Stories of How Founders Affect Culture. Well, that's it for now. If you have enjoyed, oh, sorry, if you have enjoyed this episode, subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any. And remember, don't be the bottleneck in your business. See you next time. Bye for now.